Forever Dog. Welcome to Forever Dog. You can listen to this podcast ad-free on Forever Dog Plus by signing up at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. And make sure to follow us on social at Forever Dog Team and check out all of our podcasts at foreverdogpodcasts.com. Thank you for your support and enjoy the show. Hi, Public Domain Theater listeners. It's me, Lindsay Katai. And it's me, Kelly Nugent. And you already listened to the show. You may have seen this, but we're doing a live show. Woo! We're so excited to come at you live uh, with your favorite your favorite dang content. Such good content, you guys. You know the content that you're used to? It's going to be more of that. Tight, tight, tight. But with people in person. So if you're in the Los Angeles area, come to the Lyric Hyperion Theater in Silver Lake this Friday, July 27th at 8 p.m. We are going to have y'all's favorite guests, Mary Holland, Nick Weiger, with us, your hosts, delving into a classic or not so classic work from the public domain. Tickets are $7 online or $10 at the door. You can find the link to buy tickets on our Twitter account at Public Domain Pod, which you should already be following. And if you're not, now you can because I just told you to go there. You have no excuse. So get on there. Follow us on Twitter. Then follow us to Lyric Hyperion. Oh, I like how you did that. Thank you so much. All right, guys. We hope to see you there. Bye. You're welcome. Forever. <laughs> Dog. Welcome to Public Domain Theater. With Kelly Nugent, Lindsay K. Tai, and guest, writer-director, Omar Najam. Reading The Speckled Band by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Welcome to Public Domain Theater, the podcast of highbrow readings and lowbrow commentary. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Katai. I'm another one of your hosts, Kelly Nugent. And today we are joined by a very special guest. I will say perhaps our go-to guy for Sherlock. Possibly. I mean, t- second I, time's the charm. <laughs> if you, Everyone knows that to establish a pattern, you just need two things. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Uh, you may know him from... Thank you for questing. You may know him from Sunnydale Study Group. Writer, director, Omar Najam is here. Hey, everyone. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, welcome back. Thank you for coming back. So excited. Yeah. Ugh. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. Just chilling. Comic-Con happened. Oh, at this point, (laughs) has Um, it happened yet? Has it? Yes. It has. Yes, it has. It was last week. It was so great seeing all you guys at Comic-Con. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming out for our public domain theater meet and greet at the San Diego Public Library downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, we're so sorry idea. that we weren't there. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'm so but sorry you we weren't, you were not so there. Sorry that we weren't there. There was a mix-up. We're actually at the San Diego High School Library. Uh, <laughs> There's like high school. High school <laughs> library. <laughs> Uh, but My we had fun there. Mater. Your alma mater? Mm-hmm. Mm, congratulations. Mm, San Diego. Cavers. Hi. The cavers? cavers? The cavers. Like you guys What's go in the caver? caves? Like cavemen. A spelunker? Oh. Um, like cavemen. What did, um, oh. oh, was it a caveman with like a, like a. Yeah, with a club and okay. everything. Yeah. Was it? A little like loincloth thing with what? the cross. Really? Yeah, because the, before we had a mascot, I guess, like way back in the 20s when the school was built, um, when all the football players were coming out onto the field, some newspaper writer was like, and they looked like a bunch of cavemen emerging from a blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, our high school math sounds like caver now. 
Oh my God. What was your high school mascot, Omar? The Bulldogs. Nice. Because we Classic. came out one time and they were just like, they look like a bunch of Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird what a common story that is. <laughs> they look like this. So they are. <laughs> we were um, the Spartans. Ooh. Because um, on the one of our football games, a guy kicked another guy into a hole. <laughs> and they were like, they look like Spartans. This school's like kind of fascist. I guess we should call them the Spartans. School's a little bit fascist. <laughs> Did anyone else notice that? Okay. Uh, but we brought you back to read the speckled band. I have no idea what that could mean. Nope. Do you guys? No? I'm going to assume. I'm going to say... I want to hear your prediction first, but I won't change mine based off of yours. Okay, good. <laughs> Penis. Oh, what? <laughs> Have you seen my band? <laughs> I would like to check out my speckled band, please. Here's, here's why I okay, thought that. Sell us on this. It's not going to be a good sell. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be gold. It's purely because of that uh, meal spotted dick. <laughs> yes, the meal spotted dick. Speckled band. Yeah. And well, so my brain went... Penis. Penis. Yeah. Okay, what did you think it was? I also thought penis. No, I <laughs> I think I was so excited. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a batinaed wedding ring. Um but twist. for the purposes of my own internal choices that I'll be making while reading, mm-hmm. oh. the speckled band will be a penis. In my <laughs> mind. Whatever it turns out to be. That will inform. Okay, this is our yeah. actor secret. Yes. This is our actor's secret. Okay, uh-huh. great. Um, so we did a we did like a um, breakdown of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Conan? Yeah, did- Why am I saying that? Conan. Conan. Right? Conan the Barbarian. Conan Doyle. Making him sound like a caver. <laughs> a real caver. <laughs> a real caver over there. Um, so instead, uh, Brett sent us a, a listicle of like 15 facts about Sherlock Holmes. The first one I did not know. <laughs> Okay, ready? Guess yes. what Sherlock was originally called? Um, Tanhide. Ooh, that's really good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Clifford. Sharonford. 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 John Watson had a different name too. Ormond Stacker. No. Mm-hmm. Ormond? That's so much better. Ormond Stacker sounds awesome. Yeah, he sounds yeah. pretty cool. John Watson sounds like kind of a bummer. Yeah, yeah he sounds like a snooze. Armand Stacker is like, his shirt is always open. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's always, and he's yeah, always yeah, yeah. sweating. Yeah. In a good way. Like yeah. the it, only way you can like sweat. He's yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we knew this one, that he Holmes was inspired by a teacher. Um, Conan Doyle was yeah. so impressed by Dr. Joseph Bell, a lecturer at the University of Edinburgh, that he, who could um, diagnose patients on site. Yeah. He based Sherlock's skills of perception on him. People didn't like a study in Scarlet. Yikes. It was rejected by several publishers. Several. And it was printed in Beaton's Christmas Annual, which was not a success. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, yeah, you're going to curl up with the kids. <laughs> it's a fireplace. You're like, let's read a nice Christmas story. <laughs> That's the one you get. <laughs> not playing to your audience at all. <laughs> um, this fact is whatever. Sherlock Holmes is the most popular film character. Character. Or at least okay. the most popular human character. He's been in 226 films, while Dracula has been in 239. Uh, this person oh. has no friends. This person I, has uh, 
<laughs> I thought this okay. Person has no friends. I thought popular. I thought it was gonna be way more subjective. Like, yeah, like well, me liked. too. Yeah. I was like, did they take a poll? Like, human something? at least, because number one is Shrek or something like that. <laughs> <or it's> like, <laughs> Most beloved. <laughs> and he's been on film for more than one hundred years. With the first silent version, Sherlock Holmes baffled, made in nineteen hundred. <gasps> what? Okay, get this. Sherlock never says elementary, my dear Watson. Who the fuck did that? He says, he says elementary and he says my dear Watson, but he doesn't say them together. Oh, just somebody was like, they just shortened it. quoting. Mm-hmm. They had like fridge magnets yeah, sure. and they yeah. like put them together and they're just like, yeah. yeah. I'm going to tell everyone put it about it. In the script. This. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell five friends and they'll tell five friends. <laughs> it's a pyramid scheme <laughs> of lies. <laughs> it's the only pyramid scheme that's ever worked. <laughs> Then whoever started play it again, Sam. Oh, it would be. This is so weird and not. But I feel like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle would enjoy this. Like it would be interesting if like those lies were started by like little like fairies or spirits. (laughs) Where they like interesting. Like where they just whisper that. Yeah, it's like where did we get this misunderstanding? And it turns out it was like from like a fairy, from a literal fairy, fairy. literal like fairies (laughs) perching on your shoulder. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Did you know that Mycroft? Is only in two stories. Nope. I did not realize that. Did you know Queen Victoria was a Sherlock fan? It sounds Makes right. Makes sense. It rings true. <laughs> <laughs> Conan Doyle tried to kill off Sherlock Holmes because he was bored. Yeah. Only I for did two know years. That. <laughs> um, Stephen Moffat did it because he's um, Stephen Moffat and <laughs> <laughs> was so uh, not willing to do it that he already knew he was going to bring him back. <laughs> Yep. Didn't even last like five minutes. No. It does not. <laughs> it was never going to be that he was dead. <laughs> um, Watson and Holmes, in, in 1969, in a chess match, nice. the Oxford players, Watson and Holmes, both won. That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> Different opinions. That's adorably Different opinions. <laughs> um, what a cute cheat. <laughs> the Sherlock Holmes Museum isn't at 221B Baker Street. It's at 239. Well, that's, that's stupid. Hilarious. Why <laughs> make it not that? <laughs> they made a mistake. Like whoever <laughs> they lives. bought it, and they're like, "Oh, we <laughs> signed a thousand release." <laughs> the realtor's like, "You're gonna hate me," <laughs> but, but. <laughs> <laughs> whoever lives in two twenty one is like, "I'm never leaving." <laughs> like somebody sitting on a Twitter handle. <laughs> Sherlock's IQ is one ninety. Or at least that's what a man called John Radford estimates in his book, The Intelligence of Sherlock Holmes and Other Three Pipe Problems. There are three pages to that book. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is a dedication page. Yeah. <laughs> the other one, probably like 190 and then acknowledgments. <laughs> um, Sherlock Holmes is an honorary fellow of the Royal Society of Chemistry. He got in a fellowship Chemistry. even though he's a fictional character. Why did you add that at the end? <laughs> we know. We know he's a fictional character, you friendless listicle writing weirdo. <laughs> it's like when I pulled up the weird facts or like fun trivia for teaching Mrs. Tingle or like a mistake in the thing, it's like. She never goes to the bathroom once, but you know she would have had to if she'd been held captive that long. It's like, it's a movie. I don't need to see her go to the bathroom. Um, They presented 
Sherlock Holmes's award to Dr. John Watson, a real man who is also a fellow. I okay, here's uh. mm, <laughs> so they were just like, what was that award ceremony like? Where they're like, here's the award for Sherlock Holmes. Now he couldn't be here tonight because he's fictional. So instead, we're gonna <laughs> give it to John Watson, but not that one. Because <laughs> he's also fictional. <laughs> Why that John Watson? He's uh, available. The, the whole time that Dr. John Watson keeps like starting to stand up and then they just like, but not that one. And then he's like, oh, wait, oh, is it oh. not me? Not me? I can't. I don't know. When should I? I shouldn't have agreed to this. In front I'm a of, poetry. Hold on. This fact continues. In Good. front oh, no. of the statue of Holmes outside of Baker Street Station. So they uh -huh. specifically did this award for chemistry it had nothing to do what chemistry with I don't I mean, know. I know he was good at a lot of things, but it just seems wouldn't it be in detectiving? Yeah. He probably was a chemist. <laughs> Maybe he was like, oh, it, it was, was like this Coke problem. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. I feel like this last one is like Brett being like, this is why I picked this story. Yes. <laughs> the speckled band is the most popular Sherlock oh. Holmes story. It was Conan Doyle's favorite. And oh. it frequently tops reader polls. You're probably okay. right then about what it is. It's a dick. Yeah. yeah. It's a dick. People yeah. like to know about a mystery dick. <laughs> okay. Because they're like, what is up with that dick? <laughs> <laughs> it's a mystery. Those are the 15 facts about Sherlock Holmes. Hey. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay. Should we read it? Wow. Oh, I see. Oh, you know, this one's called, did I say it right before? The, no. So speckled a, band? On, it's called The Adventure of the Speckled Band. Uh -huh. Oh, mm, Brett fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, now we can super talk shit about him mm -hmm. now that he has Janar do all the engineering. <laughs> Perfect, beautiful Janar. Oh, God. I mean, I feel calmer just knowing that he's in the room. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so it's uh, uh, 14, 13, it's 12 pages. Awesome. So we'll each read for. Are we sure there aren't like. 20 more pages attached no Brett so I checked <laughs> the first two pages title and then <laughs> a warranty <laughs> says this text is provided to you as is without any warranty oh a, a warranty oh, disclaimer it's not a warranty, no warranties Kelly. of any kind expressed or implied are made to you as to oh, the text yeah. or any medium it may be on including but not limited to warranties of merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose. Wow, I'm getting some uh, law school flashbacks. <laughs> okay. Wow, it really is uh, defending itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, are Very we going to read defensive. this from your phone? Uh, sure, let me see. In glancing over my notes of the 70-odd cases in which I have during the last eight years studied the methods of my friend Sherlock oh, Holmes. I forgot how these stories were framed. I find many tragic, some comic, a large number merely strange, but none commonplace. For working as he did, rather for the love of his art than for the acquirement of wealth, he refused to associate himself with any investigation which did not tend towards the unusual and even the fantastic. Every single time he says this, I know. he doesn't want to find these fantastic cases. They find him. <laughs> but also, those are the only ones he takes. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so a uh, little bit it and a little bit you. Yeah. <laughs> Share the blame. Of all these varied cases, however, I cannot recall any which presented more singular features. No. He said that about the No, pits. you say that yeah, every no. fucking time, Watson. <laughs> you random fellow. <laughs> 
than that which was associated with the well-known Surrey family of the Roylots of Stoke Moran. Why isn't it called that? The <laughs> I know. That's, That's a great name. That's fun. The Roylots of Stoke, Stoke Moran. Moran. The events in question occurred in the early days of my associations with Holmes when we were sharing rooms as bachelors in Baker Street. Mm -hmm. It is possible that I might have placed them upon record before, but a promise of secrecy was made at the time. From which Otherwise, only, England would have banished us. <laughs> from which I've only been freed during the last month by an untimely death of the lady to whom the pledge was given. It is perhaps as well. The second people die who I've promised something to, I, I immediately break it. Break it. <laughs> Fuck you. You're not here. It's my time to no show. No NDA. I'm going to make money off of this. <laughs> it is perhaps as well that the facts should now come to light. For I have reasons to know that there are widespread rumors as to the death of Dr. Of Dr. Grimesby Roylott. <laughs> <laughs> Grimesby. 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 Yeah, Grimesby. 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Which tend to make the matter even more terrible than the truth. It was early in April in the year 83 that I awoke one morning to find Sherlock Holmes standing fully dressed by the side of my bed. Which usually he, doesn't happen. He's usually yeah, yeah. nude. He's <laughs> yeah. usually completely nude. Yeah. <laughs> he was a late riser as a rule. Mm. It's like, why the modesty, Sherlock? <laughs> <laughs> and as the clock on the mantelpiece showed me that it was only a quarter past seven, I blinked up at him in some surprise and perhaps just a little resentment for I myself was regular in my habits. Watson, you nerd. <laughs> you were such a little geek. Wait till 717, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's super early. That's what I, I rise. <laughs> Very sorry to knock you up, oh, Watson. No, Very sorry to knock you up? Yep. Okay. Well, that's... <laughs> okay. That's a great saying. Very sorry to knock you up. Wink. Said he. But it's the common lot this morning. <laughs> Mrs. Hudson has been knocked up. She retorted upon me and I on you. See, uh, we didn't talk about it beforehand, and so I wasn't sure if we were going to always keep that voice, mm -hmm. but I assumed we would, mm -hmm. but I was still... Somehow shocked. <laughs> <laughs> what is it then? A fire? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> what? No. A client. It seems no. that a young lady has arrived in considerable state of excitement who insists upon seeing me. She is waiting now in the sitting room. Now, when young ladies wander about the metropolis at this hour of the morning and knock sleepy people up out of their beds, I presume that it is something very pressing, which they have to communicate. Should it prove to be an interesting case, you would, I am sure, wish to follow it from the outset. I thought at any rate that I should call you and give you the chance. My dear fellow, I would not miss it for anything. I had no keener pleasure than in the fo in following Holmes in his professional investigations. Does every single one of these stories <laughs> start with, it was the most unusual case that <laughs> Holmes had ever worked on, and then segue into, there's a mysterious person, <laughs> and they've got some tales to tell. <laughs> I don't know if we can believe them, but oh boy, this one. Like, every <laughs> Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> also, Sherlock is smart. He should know that like the easiest answer is just believe them. Yeah, and crazy shit happens. Mm. It's you like should... the most scully thing in the world. Mm. Yeah. Like, you scully. just had ghost vampires yes. last week. Mm-hmm. You really telling me werewolves exist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some things are a bridge too far. <laughs> Admiring the rapid deductions as swift as intuitions, <laughs> and yet always founded on a logical basis which, 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 with which he unraveled the problems which were submitted to him. I rapidly threw on my clothes and was ready in a few minutes to accompany my friend down to the <laughs> sitting room. Watson, boyfriend. <laughs> I imagine like Sherlock sits down to talk to like this woman and Watson just sits on like the armchair, like the armrest, and then Sherlock keeps just like trying to move him and he just scoots a little bit closer each time. With his little hands like one over another. <laughs> yeah. <just> like <laughs> glass. Do the thing. Like a polite yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see what he says. <laughs> and Sherlock keeps trying to push this him. one's a deuce. <laughs> oh boy. What oh boy. do you do now? A lady dressed in black and heavily veiled, who had been sitting in the window, rose as we entered. Good morning, madam, said Holmes cheerily. My name is Sherlock Holmes. This is my intimate friend and associate, Dr. Watson, before whom you can speak as freely as before myself. They are so in love. (laughs) I am glad to see that Mrs. Hudson has had the good sense to light the fire. Pray draw up to it. And I shall order you a cup of hot coffee, for I observe that you are shivering. The cadence. Wow, what a freaking, you know, there's Whoa. been a lot of deductions so far. But this, so many. This one really. First, first he could tell that a fire had been lit. <laughs> he was able to deduce who lit that fire. And that because she had done it, she was intelligent. And then, and then. This is the kicker. <laughs> this is the kicker. She was shaking. <laughs> he saw. It is not cold, which makes me shiver, said the woman in a low voice, changing her bitch. seat as requested. <laughs> what then? Don't it is me. fear, Mr. Holmes. It yeah. is terror. <laughs> she raised her veil as she spoke, and we could see that she was indeed in a pitiable state of agitation. Her face all drawn and gray with restless, frightened eyes like those of some hunted animal. <laughs> Her features and figure were those of a woman of 30. And then she turns and she's like, told you. (laughs) Soup's afraid. (laughs) But her hair was shot with premature gray and her expression was weary and haggard. Judgment. Sherlock Holmes ran her over with one of his quick, all comprehensive glances. You must not fear, said he soothingly. No, she literally just said (laughs) Bending forward and patting her forearm. No. No. I have good bedside manner. (laughs) We shall soon set matters right, I have no doubt. You have come in by train this morning, I see. You know me then? Don't. Don't. You know that this is a thing you know. No. Whoa, how'd you get? (laughs) But I observe the second half of a return ticket in the palm of your left glove. You must have started early, and yet you had a good drive in a dog cart along heavy roads before you reached the station. The lady gave a violent start and stared in bewilderment at my companion. There is no mystery, my dear madam, said he, smiling. 
The left arm of your jacket is spattered with mud in no less than seven places. God, and he gets off on this. The marks are perfectly <laughs> fresh. There is no vehicle save a dog cart which throws up mud in that way. And then only when you sit on the left-hand side of the driver. <laughs> Whatever your reasons may be, you are perfectly correct, said she. And I give not two shits. This is not why I'm here. <laughs> I started from home before six, reached Leatherhead at 20 past, and came in by the first train to Waterloo. Sir, I can stand this strain no longer. I shall go mad if it continues. I have no one to turn to. None, save only one who cares for me, and he, poor fellow, can be of little aid. I have heard of you, Mr. Holmes. I have heard of you from Mr. Farintosh, oh, Mrs. Farintosh, whom you helped in the hour of her sore need. It was from her that I had your address. Oh, sir, do you not think that you could help me too, and at least throw a little light through the dense darkness which surrounds me? At present, it is crowded with your fucking parlor tricks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got mud on my jacket. Like, what? Big skip whoop. to the end. Yeah. <laughs> At present, it's out of my power to reward you for your services, but in a month or six weeks, I shall be married with the control of my own income. And then, at least, you shall not find me ungrateful. Ugh, freelance work. Freelance. <laughs> Holmes turned to his desk and She's unlocking take forever it, to pay that invoice. Oh God, <laughs> hounding, hounding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Drew out a small casebook which he consulted. Farintosh, said he. <laughs> ah, yes, I recall the case. It was concerned with an opal tiara. I think it was before your time, Watson. (laughs) I can only say, madam, that I shall be happy to devote the same care to your case as I did to that of your friend. You know, Watson got so mad when he talked about a case he had nothing to do with. He was like, I thought we agreed you wouldn't mention those cases. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds stupid. That TR sounds stupid. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. It sounds lame. Yeah, it sounds like you probably saw that in like two days. (laughs) As to reward, my profession is its own reward. <laughs> I am like Spider-Man in this way. <laughs> the justice serves. <laughs> but you are at liberty to defray whatever expenses I may be put to at the time which suits you best. And now I beg that you will lay before us everything that may help us in forming an opinion upon uh, the matter. Alas, replied our visitor. The very horror of my situation lies in the fact that my fears are so vague and my suspicions depend so entirely upon small points, which might seem trivial to another. Even he, to whom all of others I have a right to look for help and advice, looks upon all that I tell him about it as the fancies of a nervous woman. He does not say so, but I can read it from his soothing answers and averted eyes. But I have heard, Mr. Holmes, that you can see deeply into the manifold wickedness of the human heart. You may advise me how to walk amid the dangers which encompass me. I am all attention, madam. <laughs> you have me confused with the psychic down the street. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Helen Stoner, and I am living with my stepfather, who's the last survivor of one of the oldest Saxon families in England, the Roylots of Stoke Moran, on the western border of Surrey. Again, should be the title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Holmes nodded his head. The name is familiar to me, said he. The family was at one time among the richest in England, and the estates extended over the borders into Berkshire in the north and Hampshire in the west. In the last century, however, four successive heirs were of a dissolute and wasteful disposition, and the family ruin was eventually completed by a gambler in the days of the Regency. <clears throat> Alcoholics. <laughs> Nothing was left save a few acres of ground and the 200-year-old house, which is itself crushed under a heavy mortgage. 
The last squire dragged out his existence there, living the horrible life of an aristocratic pauper, but his only son, my stepfather, seeing that he must adapt himself to the new conditions, obtained an advance from a relative, which enabled him to take a medical degree and went out to Calcutta, where, by his professional skill and his force of character, he established a large practice. Force of character. <laughs> he made clients come to him. <laughs> oh, yeah, see that your uh, leg got hurt. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how that is, but uh, I know I can fix it. A <laughs> uh, real shame that uh, this accident befell you. Wouldn't it be a Wouldn't shame it? if you got a matching injury in the uh, in the other leg? But uh, if you let me help you with one, maybe uh, let's talk about what happened. <laughs> In a fit of anger, however, caused by some robberies which had been perpetrated in the house, he beat his native <laughs> really butler to death off. and narrowly escaped Whoa. a capital sentence. As it was, he suffered a long term of imprisonment and afterwards returned to England a morose and disappointed man. Dis- what? Sounds fair. Killed Honestly, you, he's you a murderer. Killed a man. <laughs> You're because of some robberies. <laughs> When Dr. Roylet was in India, he married my mother, Mrs. Stoner, the young widow of Major General Stoner of the Bengal Artillery. My sister Julia and I were twins and were only two years old at the time of my mother's remarriage. This may sound familiar to you from the Gilbert and Sullivan music. (laughs) (laughs) She had a considerable sum of money, not less than a thousand pounds a year. And this she bequeathed to Dr. Roylet entirely while we resided with him, with a provision that a certain annual sum should be allowed to each of us in the event of our marriage. Shortly after her return to England, my mother died. She was killed eight years ago in a railway accident near Crewe. Dr. Roylet then abandoned his attempts to establish himself in practice in London and took us to live with him in the old ancestral house at Stoke Moran. The money which my mother had left was enough for all our wants, and there seemed to be no obstacle to our happiness. But then a terrible change came over our stepfather during this time. Instead of making friends and exchanging visits with our neighbors who had at first been overjoyed to see a royal lot of Stoke Moran back in the old family seat, he shut himself up in his house. He <coughs> seldom alcohol. came out to save, save to indulge in ferocious quarrels with whoever might cross his path. Violence of temper approaching to mania has been hereditary in the men of my family. And in my stepfather's case, it had, I believe, been intensified by his long residence in the tropics. A series, of di- <laughs> a series of disgraceful brawls took place, two of which ended in the police court, until at last he became the terror of the village, and the folks would fly at his approach, for he's a man of immense strength and absolutely uncontrollable in his anger. Oh, I have solved it. Your stepfather's a dick. <laughs> he's the, See, he's it is the spotted a dick, you guys. Band. <laughs> it's like he would brag about how he killed his servant, and everyone's like, what a nice guy. And then yeah, he started to be then. mean to them, and everyone's like, why is he being so mean to us? <laughs> I only understand meanness when it's to me. (laughs) Last week, he hurled the local blacksmith over a parapet into a stream. And it was only by paying over all the money which I could gather together that I was able to avert another public exposure. He had no friends at all, save the wandering gypsies. That's not polite to say. No. Um, And he would give these vagabonds leave to encamp upon the few acres of bramble-covered land which represent the family estate. And would accept in return the hospitality of their tents, wandering away with them sometimes for weeks on end. He has a passion mm. also. A for- gypsy curse was placed on that family. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like a Buffy like and an angel. Yeah, yeah. He became yeah, yeah. angel. <laughs> <laughs> this is the story of Liam. Oh, uh, quick question. <laughs> it's the first name of your stepfather, Angelus. <laughs> She's like, no, we only call no. him that when he's mean. <laughs> then he moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> Somehow Los had Angeles. a lot of money. <laughs> 
it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even justify we until season know. two. <laughs> <laughs> he has a passion also for Indian animals, which are sent over to him by a correspondent. So he has at this moment a cheetah and a baboon, what? which wander freely over his grounds and are feared by the villagers almost as much as their master. This guy's insane. This guy's insane. <laughs> insane. Also, those animals are... Those are not... Unless I'm mistaken, I think they're going to die in the winter. They're, they're not, they're not <laughs> also, suited for... Also, one is a cheetah. <laughs> yeah, one is a cheetah. It's going to kill everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he just brought this guy's insane one of them was a monkey one was a cheetah anyway on with my story <laughs> <laughs> not important and they run around the people that stay on the grass <laughs> I like how everyone who comes to homes knows that they have to tell their entire life story yeah. also, and the entire life story of their parents also like this whole time they're just like uh huh uh-huh. oh. where's that coffee oh, yeah. Watson sitting going I'm being such a good boy right now I know <laughs> good boy good boy good boy I have to use the restroom i haven't even asked to <laughs> i'm just gonna hold it i'll go my pants if i have to i'm so good good point you can imagine from what i say that my poor sister julie and i had no great pleasure in our lives no servant would stay with us and for a long time we did all the work of the house she was but 30 at the time of her death and yet her hair had already Mama. begun to whiten even as mine has your sister is dead then <laughs> she <Good> died deducing. <laughs> Another classic Holmes deduction. <laughs> At that moment, uh, Watson's like, oh, <laughs> good job. Clap, 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 clap. Solved. <laughs> Pay his expenses. She, she died just two years ago, and it is of her death that I wish to speak to you. You can understand that living the life which I have described, we were little likely to see anyone of our own age and position. We had, however, an aunt, my mother's maiden sister, Miss Honoria Westvale, who lives, <laughs> awesome name. lives near Harrow. We were occasionally allowed to pay short visits at this lady's house. Julia went there at Christmas two years ago and met there a half-pay major of Marines to whom she became engaged. Mm. My stepfather learned of the engagement when my sister returned and offered no objection to the marriage. But within a fortnight of the day which had been fixed for the wedding, the terrible event occurred which has deprived me of my only companion. The cheetah killed her. (laughs) (laughs) Sherlock Holmes had been leaning back in his chair with his eyes closed and his head sunk in a cushion. Sure. But he (laughs) He was asleep. (laughs) (laughs) He half opened his lids now and glanced across at his visitor. Pray be precise as to details, said he. (laughs) She stopped short of actually talking about the thing she was there for. (laughs) And then a terrible thing happened. And she's waiting. Help me. It is easy for me to be so, for every event of that dreadful time is seared into my memory. The manor house is, as I have already said, very old, and only one wing is now inhabited. The bedrooms in this wing are on the ground floor, the sitting rooms being in the central block of the buildings. Of these bedrooms, the first is Dr. Roylott's, the second my sister's, and the third my own. There's no communication between them, but they all open out into the same corridor. Do I make myself plain? (laughs) Yes. Perfectly so. So you're saying they're rooms and it's a hallway. Yeah. <laughs> I've got it. The windows of the three rooms open out onto the lawn. That fatal night, Dr. Roylott had gone to his room early, though we knew that he had not retired to rest, for my sister was troubled by the smell of the strong Indian cigars, which it was his custom to smoke. She left her room. It was such a fetish. Yeah. <laughs> Therefore, and came into mine. <clears throat> where she sat for some time chatting about her approaching wedding. At 11 o'clock, she rose to leave me, but she paused at the door and looked back. Tell me, Helen, said she, 
Have you ever heard anyone whistle in the dead of the night? <laughs> Is the Have you ever heard <laughs> the devil dance the pale moonlight. Yeah, I think this is a Batman story. Like, I really think this is Batman 89. Like, <laughs> that's what it is. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> that you shot by a clown. I, uh, I, don't, I, don't I can't account understand for it. it. Again, there is no communication between the rooms and it all opened out to a corner. I can't understand it. Never, said I. I suppose that you could not possibly whistle yourself in your sleep? Certainly not. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> How dare you throw it's it in my literally face? Literally a dream of mine. <laughs> but why? Because during the last few nights, I've always around three in the mor- morning heard a low, clear whistle. I'm a light sleeper and it's awakened me. I cannot tell where it came from. Perhaps from the next room, perhaps from the lawn. I thought I'd just ask you whether you'd heard it. Oh, no, I have not. Uh-oh. It must be those wretched mm. gypsies in the plantation. Mm. <laughs> this, mm. this woman is not a good person. This family's no. the worst. I mean, it's very bad. White people, England, old. Very bad. <laughs> They're bad people. Uh, very it's a British likely. Empire, I mean. <laughs> and yet, if it were on the lawn, I wonder that you did not hear it also. Ah, but I sleep more heavily than you. Well, it's of no great consequence at any rate. She smiled <laughs> back at me, closed my door, and a few moments later, I, turn her, I heard her key turn in the lock. Why did they lock themselves in? Also, really cool. This yeah. is uh, Sherlock's next question. Oh. <laughs> All right. Before we Sherlock. have the Sherlock's question, I just want to mm-hmm. say she definitely played a two-person scene in front of them. Oh, yes. Which is like, and then, <laughs> oh, yeah. and then she turned to me and said, hey, what about this? <laughs> oh, I said this. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> and they're like, wow. Oh, and well, she you really stop crossing through the table. Remember, you the table has to have reality. <laughs> There's weight to the cup. This is how you hold yeah. the phone. Not the cup thing. You have to remember there's something in the cup. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, said Holmes. Was it your custom always to lock yourselves in at night? Always. And why? Our stepfather. I think that I mentioned to you that the doctor kept a cheetah and a baboon. She says that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Fair. <laughs> we had no feeling of security unless our doors were locked. Oh, totally fair. Wait, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Like, that's not. Free. If it's like strangers, like that's the reason. But like the cheetah is not like the lock. Like the cheetah's not trying the door. It is just like oh, <laughs> not this one. They're not like oh, raptors. This one. Like, oh, occupado. This one. <laughs> It's just a little a, occupado. Can't go in. It's like they're inside the house. It's like, <laughs> they're, they're, they're like, jiggle, 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 jiggle. What's that? It's the cheetah. <laughs> Shh, we're not here. The, che- <laughs> the cheetah's like, I can hear you in there. <laughs> okay, why would the door be locked if there wasn't someone inside? I know that you're in there. Have you heard the, the glory of Jesus Christ? <laughs> no. Shh, 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 shh. Hello. Do you believe in life after death? Yeah. Not today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. We're at breakfast. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to try the door. <laughs> I'll just right. slip this under. I'll just, I'll just leave. Um, we have a nice little pamphlet. <laughs> personality <laughs> test. Is there a better Stress time for me, the cheetah, to come back? <laughs> I refer to myself that way. <laughs> it is I, the cheetah. <laughs> Uh, is there a way that I, the cheetah, could speak to you? <laughs> <laughs> this is so absurd. 
I could not sleep that night. A vague feeling of impending misfortune impressed me. My sister and I, you will re- recollect, so impressed. We're, we were twins. And you know how subtle the links are which bind two souls which are so closely allied? It was I a wild night. I believe in that. <laughs> it is true. It was a wild night. The wind was howling outside. <laughs> the rain was beating and splashing against the windows. The cheetah was drunk again. <laughs> I'm me, the cheetah. I'm drunk. <laughs> you guys want some Midori? I'm, I'm a lot. <laughs> Amaretto sour. Got some Jaeger bombs. <laughs> Uh, the wind was howling outside the rain was beating and splashing against the windows suddenly amid all the hubbub of the gale there forced the the wild scream of a terrified woman I knew it was my sister's voice I sprang from my bed wrapped a shawl around me and rushed into the corridor as I opened the door I seemed to hear a low whistle just as my sister described and a few moments later a clanging sound as if a mass of metal had fallen as I ran down the passage, my sister's door was unlocked and revolved slowly upon its hinges. I stared at it, horror-stricken, not knowing what was about to issue from it. By the light of the corridor lamp, I saw my sister appear at the opening, her face blanched with terror, her hands groping for help, her whole figure swaying to and fro like that of a drunkard. I ran to her through my arms around her, but at that moment, her knees seemed to give way and she fell to the ground. She writhed as one who was in terrible pain and her limbs were dreadfully convulsed. At first, I thought she didn't recognize me, but as I bent over her, she suddenly shrieked out in a voice, which I shall never forget. Oh my God, Helen, it was the band, the speckled band. There was something else which she would fain have said and she still stabbed her finger into the air in the direction of the doctor's room, but a fresh convulsion seized her and she choked on her words. I rushed out, calling loudly for my stepfather. I met him hastening from his room in his dressing gown. When he reached my sister's side, she was unconscious, and though he poured brandy down her throat and sent for medical aid from the village, all efforts were in vain because she slowly sank and died without ever recovering her consciousness. (laughs) That was the extent of his... What a great treatment. What a great stepdad. What a poured brandy down her throat. (laughs) She didn't didn't revive. Well, I'm out. I'm out of solutions. Here, let me get my bag. Maybe I have. No, it's just scotch. I don't (laughs) think that's going to be any different. Shouldn't have killed that butler. (laughs) (laughs) The dreadful end of my beloved sister. One moment, said Holmes. Are you sure about this whistle and metallic sound? Could you swear to it? That was what the county coroner asked me at the inquiry. It is my strong impression that I heard it. And yet, among the crash of the gale and the creaking of the old house, I may possibly have been deceived. Was your sister dressed? No, she was in her nightdress. In what her right kind hand, of nightdress? <laughs> in her what right color? hand was found the charred stump of a match. And in her left, a matchbox. Showing that she had struck a light. And looked about her when the alarm took place. That is important. And what conclusions did the coroner come to? Why are you fucking quizzing me on my sister's death, (laughs) you piece of shit? He (laughs) investigated the case with great care, for Dr. Roylet's conduct had long been notorious in the county, but he was unable to find any satisfactory cause of death. My evidence showed that the door had been fastened upon the inner side, and the windows were blocked by an old-fashioned shutters with broad iron bars, which were secured every night. The walls were carefully sounded and were shown to be quite solid all around, and the flooring was also thoroughly examined, with the same result. The chimney's wide, but it's barred up by four large staples. It's certain, therefore, that my sister was quite alone when she met her end. 
Besides, there were no marks of violence upon her. How about poison? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a... Wow. Um, what an original idea, <laughs> Holmes. The doctors examined her for it, but without success. What do you think that this unfortunate lady died of then? Again, stop quizzing me. My sister has <laughs> died. What am I in class? It's my belief that she died of pure fear and nervous shock. Although what it was that frightened her, I cannot imagine. I don't like this. Okay. Were there yeah. gypsies in the plantation at the time? Yes, there are nearly always some there. Ah. You and, could say Roma, and then they yeah. super sound racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what did you gather from this allusion to a band? A speckled band. <laughs> sometimes I've thought it was merely the wild talk of delirium. Sometimes that it may have referred to some band of people. Perhaps to these very gypsies in the plantation. I do not know whether the spotted handkerchiefs which so many of them wear over their heads might have suggested the strange ad- adjective oh which she God. is. She needs to just, she needs to stop. Think about what she's saying. Think about what she's saying. Remember their people. Holmes shook his head like a man who's far from being satisfied. These are very deep waters, said he. <laughs> Pray go on with your narrative. Two oh, years you have mean passed the tale about then. my sister's death, my narrative? <laughs> yep. And my life has been until lately, lonelier than ever. A month ago, however, a dear friend <laughs> whom I have known for many years. I want to see a photo. Cheetos <laughs> <laughs> out of the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Has done me the honor to ask my hand in marriage. His name is Armitage. Percy Armitage. Have you the, seen their ring? The <laughs> second son of Mr. Armitage. Oh, Mr. Of Crane Water near Reading. My stepfather has offered, offered no opposition to the match, and we are to be married in the course of the spring. Two days ago. Bragging up a storm. <laughs> some repairs were started in the west wing of the building, and my bedroom wall has been pierced, so that I have also had to move to the chamber in which my sister died, and Ugh. to sleep in the very bed in which she slept. I've and encountered a rose. <laughs> it has three petals left. I don't know what it means, but it's floating under this jar. <laughs> Unrelated. There's a beast. There's a beast. <laughs> He's not very nice, but we fed some birds together. (laughs) There's something there that it wasn't there before. (laughs) Two days, uh, blah, blah, blah. Imagine then my thrill of terror, which last night as I lay awake, thinking over her terrible fate, I suddenly heard in the silence of the night the low whistle, which had been the herald of her own death. I sprang up and lit the lamp, but nothing was to be seen in the room. So I dressed, and as soon as it was daylight, I slipped down, got a dog cart the crown in, which is opposite, and drove to the Leatherhead, from whence I have come on this morning, with the one object of seeing you and asking your advice. I like to think that she threw in all the details of how she got there, as in like, yeah, remember your fancy trick you did earlier? (laughs) Referencing that. (laughs) You were right. You have done wisely, said my friend. (laughs) (laughs) But have you told me all? Yes, all. Miss Roylott, you have not. You are screening your stepfather. (gasps) What do you mean? For answer, Holmes pushed back on the frill of the black lace which fringed the hand that lay upon our visitor's knee. Five little spots, the marks of four fingers and a thumb, were printed upon the wall. Yikes. Were printed upon the white (laughs) wrist. 
You have been cruelly used, said Holmes. <gasps> the lady colored deeply and covered over her injured wrist. He is a hard man, she said, and perhaps he hardly knows his own strength. Ugh, she needs to mm -hmm. get oh, out of there. There was a long silence during which Holmes leaned his chin upon his hands and stared into the crackling fire. This is a very deep business, he said at last. There are a thousand details which I should desire to know before I decide upon our course of action. Yet we have not a moment to lose. If we were able to come to Stoke Moran today, would it be possible for us to see over these rooms without the knowledge of your stepfather? <laughs> As it happens, he spoke of coming into town today upon some most important business. It is probable that he will be away all day and that there would be nothing to disturb you. We have a housekeeper now, but... She's old and foolish, and I, would, <laughs> I could easily get her out of the way. Luckily, she's he so hasn't awful. killed her yet. <laughs> she's so awful. She's old she's and foolish. old and foolish, and I haven't seen the gypsies for days. Excellent. Oh. You are not averse to this trip, Watson? <laughs> By no means. <laughs> then we shall both come. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> what are you going to do yourself? I have one or two things which I would wish to do now that I am in town, but I shall return by the 12 o'clock train so as to be there in time for your coming. And you may expect us early in the afternoon. I have myself some small business matters to attend to. Will you not wait and breakfast? No, I must go. My heart is lightened already since I have confided my trouble to you. I shall look forward to seeing you again this afternoon. She dropped her thick black veil over her face and glided from the room. <gasps> And what do you think of She's it all, Watson? Witch. Asked Sherlock Holmes, leaning back in his chair. He was talking to me. <laughs> it seems to be a most dark and sinister business. Dark enough and sinister enough. Yet if the lady is correct in saying that the flooring and walls are sound, and that the door, window, and chimney are passable, then her sister must have been undoubtedly alone when she met her mysterious end. You little idiot. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm a good boy. What becomes then of these nocturnal whistles and what of the very peculiar words? <laughs> I don't like that. I don't uh, like that. These nocturnal whistles of which I cannot control. Of these nocturnal <laughs> whistles and what of the very peculiar words of the dying woman? I cannot think. When you combine the ideas of whistles at night, the presence of a band of gypsies, spelled with an I. Yeah, interesting. Yeah who are on intimate terms with his old doctor, the fact that we have every reason to believe that the doctor has an interest in preventing his stepdaughter's marriage. Ew. Yeah. Ew. The dying allusion to a band, and finally the fact that Miss Helen Stoner heard a metallic clang, which might have been caused by one of those metal bars that secured the shutters falling back into his place. I think there is good ground to think that the mystery may be cleared along those lines. Fucking duh. <laughs> we duh. saw this a fucking mile away, Mr. Deduction. It's always That's, the stepfather. It's uh, Dr. Deduction. <laughs> deduction. Dr. Deduction. I'm a chemist. <laughs> <laughs> what are you a doctor of? Uh, chemists. <laughs> doctor of chemists. <laughs> in my bag. <laughs> but, but then, what did the gypsies do? I cannot imagine. I see many objections to any such theory. 
And so do I. It is precisely for that reason that we are going to Stoke Moran this day. I want to see whether the objections are fatal or if they may be explained away. But what in the name of the devil? <laughs> <laughs> the fire's still going. Ah, you're scaring me. <laughs> Don't say devil. The ejaculation had been drawn from my companion <laughs> by the fact that I'd been pulling him off. By the fact that our door had been suddenly dashed open and that a huge man had framed himself in the aperture. His costume was a peculiar mixture Wait, of the Wait, that was really from the story? The ejaculation part? Yes. Yeah. Oh. That word was used. Okay. Him going, what in the name of the devil? That's that's him saying that's an ejaculation. Oh. Mm-hmm. Great. I only interjected a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. His costume was a peculiar mixture of the professional and of the agricultural. Having a black top hat, a long frock coat, and a pair of high gaiters with a hunting crop swinging in his hand. Ooh, he was ready so to get sexy tall. instantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tall was he. His hat actually brushed the brass bar of the doorway. <laughs> his breath seemed to span it across from side to side. A large face, seared with a thousand wrinkles, burned yellow with the sun, Rude. and marked with every evil passion, was turned from one to the other of us, while he's deep-set, bile-shot eyes, and his high, thin, fleshless nose gave him somewhat the resemblance to a fierce old bird of prey. He's what? This- he has no skin on his nose? <laughs> <laughs> fleshless. Because, like, he's also... Like, he's like... <laughs> what is he? The, like, Red Death? In Captain America. The Red, red Skull. Red skull. Yeah. The Red yeah. Death. I don't know. <laughs> no, but that just, it sounds like a mythical being the that like death. brings about I plague. Think, what is that tarot story? Card. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I pulled the Red Death. It means fortune. <laughs> he looks like the Red Skull. So we meet again, Steve Rogers. <laughs> and Sherlock is like, wrong again. Gosh, I... you have no flesh on your nose. You look like a birdie. <laughs> <laughs> is he going to lay an egg? What? Mr. Holmes, is he going to lay an egg? <laughs> hey, Mr. Holmes, do you think he can fly? Close all the windows because he's going to fly away. No, let's see. I'm Goldie. <laughs> Which of you is Holmes? Asked this apparition. My name, sir. But it took me a second to remember which voice I had to do. (laughs) (laughs) My name, sir. But you have the advantage of me, said my companion quietly. I am Dr. Grinsby Roylot of Stoke Moran. Oh, shit. Big shock, Mr. Fleshless Nose. Yeah. (laughs) Enemy of the Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard of Hydra? (laughs) Hail it. (laughs) Indeed, doctor, said Holmes blandly. Pray take a seat. I will do nothing of the kind. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong way. He raised his fists into the air, <laughs> shaking them with the ferocity of a wind. <laughs> of a noseless wind. <laughs> My stepdaughter has been here. Uh, I have traced her 
What is she been saying to you? <laughs> oh my god. It is a little cold for the time of year, said Holmes. Oh. What has she been saying to you? Screamed the old man furiously. <laughs> but I have heard that the crocuses promise well, continued oh, my companion imperturbably. Ha! You put me off, do you? Said our new visitor, taking a step toward and shaking his hunting crop. I know you, you scoundrel. Okay, I have a question. So he's yeah. like, I'm gonna I'm gonna come and like like beat up Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Let me go get my hunting, <laughs> hunting crop. crop. Well that's what it's gonna be to my with. best weapon. <laughs> hmm. Which shall I take to beat up Sherlock Holmes? Should I bring Holmes? my machete? My hunting crop. My baboon or my cheetah. <laughs> this is legitimately like me playing Resident Evil 4, where I'm like, I've got a whole bunch of guns. I'll use my plant. <laughs> yeah, same for Far Cry 5. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of real up close, uh, <laughs> up close bow shooting. <laughs> melee this arrows. Is what this is for? Yeah. I'm like, help. <laughs> and, and I, um, <laughs> I know you, you scoundrel. I have heard of you before. You are Holmes the meddler. My friend smiled. Holmes the busybody, his smile broadened. Holmes the Scotland Yard jack in office. <laughs> jack Jack in office or jackin' off. Jack in office. And his oh. ejaculation went off. <laughs> Here's what elicited it. Oh my god. <laughs> this is right itself. <laughs> Holmes chuckled heartily. Your conversation is most entertaining, said he. When you go out, close the door for there is a decided drop. I will go when I have had my say. Don't you dare to meddle with my affairs. I know that Miss Stoner has been here. I traced her. Mm. I am a dangerous man to fall afoul of. See here? He stepped swiftly forward, seized the poker, and bent it into a curve with his huge brown hands. Rude. Brown. What? (laughs) Those aren't his hands. (laughs) Huge brown hands, which he's stolen. (laughs) The cheetah. (laughs) The cheetah. He put them in his paws. (laughs) See that you keep yourself out of my grip, he snarled, and hurling the twisted poker into the fireplace, he strode out of the room. He seems a very amiable person, (laughs) said Holmes, laughing. I am not quite so bulky, but if he had remained, I might have shown him that my grip was not much more feeble than his own. As You're telling spoke, me that Sherlock could have bent one of those things? I don't think so. I think maybe he's then trying to be it. funny. Oh, he's like, I'm... But it's so hard to tell from his tone. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, he's so hard to I could have bent that. I could have bent that. Uh, I might have known <laughs> that my grip was... As he spoke, he picked up the steel poker and, with a sudden effort, straightened it out again. No! Well, it's hot now. That's not fair. It's hot now. So his hands are burned. (laughs) 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 The smell of cooked meat floated through the air. This is toxic masculinity at its worst. Where he's like, I "I have to prove myself. I know. He's like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm a strong boy. I'm a strong boy. Indie uh, fetishist. Fancy of having the insolence to confound me with the official detective force. This incident gives zest to our investigation, however. 
And I only trust that our little friend will not suffer from her impudence, imprudence, pardon me, I'm Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> and allowing this brute to trace her. And now, Watson, we shall order breakfast, and afterwards I shall walk down to Doctor's Commons, where I hope to get some data which may help us in this matter. It was nearly one o'clock when Sherlock Holmes returned from his excursion. He held in his hands a sheet of blue paper, scrawled over with notes and figures. I was very impressed. <laughs> I was very impressed I'm because so I impressed. cannot write nor read. Nor <laughs> read. I assumed it made sense. <laughs> I have seen the will of the deceased wife, said he, to determine its exact meaning. Scrolling up. I was obliged to work out the present prices of the investments with which it is concerned. The total income, which at the time of the wife's death was little short of 1,100 pounds, is now, through the fall in agricultural prices, not much more than 750 pounds. Each daughter can claim an income of 250 in case of marriage. It is evident, therefore, that if both girls had married, this beauty would have had a mere pittance, while even one of them would cripple him to a very serious extent. My morning's work has not been wasted since it has proved that he has the very strongest of motives for standing in the way of anything of the sort. And now, Watson, this is too serious for dawdling, especially as the old man is aware that we are interesting ourselves in his affairs. So if you are ready, we shall call a cab and drive to Waterloo. I should be very much obliged if you would slip your revolver into your pocket. And Ellie's number two is an excellent argument with gentlemen who can twist steel pokers into knots. That and a toothbrush are, I think, all that we need. <laughs> at Waterloo, we were fortunate in catching a train for Leatherhead, where we hired a trap at the station inn and drove for four or five miles through the lovely Surrey lanes. I hoped he would put his arm around me when he didn't. <laughs> it was a perfect day, with a bright sun and a few fleecy clouds in the heavens. The trees and wayside hedges were just throwing out their first green shoots, and the air was full of the pleasant smell of the moist earth. To me, at least, there was a strange contrast between the sweet promise of the spring and the sinister quest upon which we were engaged. My companion sat in, fr in the front of the trap, his arms folded, his hat pulled down in front of his eyes, and his chin sunk upon his breast, buried in the deepest thought. <laughs> Suddenly, however, he started, tapped me on the shoulder, and pointed over the meadows. Look there, said he. A heavily timbered park stretched up in a gentle slope, thickening into a grove at the highest point. From amid the branches there jutted out the gray gables and high roof tree of a very old mansion. Stoke Moran, said he. Yes, sir. That must be the house of Dr. Grimsby Roylott. <laughs> Remarked Grimsby. the driver. Oh. <laughs> I, felt in, I felt attacked by him because he was stealing my voice. <laughs> or he was making fun of me. Answering to tell. <laughs> there is some building going on there, said Holmes. That is where we are going. There's the village, said the driver. What do you guys think? It was pretty oh, good. Oh, I like that. I like, cool. that. I like cool, 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 cool. Pointing to a cluster of roofs some distance to the left. I've already forgotten the voice I chose. But if you want to get to the house, you'll find it shorter to get over this stile. And so by the footpath over the field. That is where the lady is walking. And the lady, I fancy, is Miss Stoner, observed Holmes, shading his eyes. Yes, I think we had better do as you suggest. We got off. <laughs> 
<laughs> together. Peter and fair. then we got out of the car. <laughs> it was nice of the driver to let us stay while we did that. <laughs> and the trap rattled back on its way to Leatherhead. I thought it as well, said Holmes as we climbed the stile, that this fellow should think we had come here as architects or on some definite business. It may stop his gossip. Good afternoon, Miss Stoner. You see that we have been as good as our word. Our client of the morning had hurried forward to meet us with a face which spoke her joy. I have been waiting so eagerly for you, she cried, shaking hands with us warmly. All has turned out splendidly. Dr. Royla has gone to town, and it is unlikely that he will be back before evening. We have had the pleasure of making the doctor's acquaintance, said Holmes, and in a few words he sketched out what had occurred. Miss Stoner turned white to the lips as she listened. Good heavens, she cried. He has followed me then. So it appears. He is so cunning that I never know when I am safe from him. What will he say when he returns? He must guard himself, for he may find that there is someone more cunning than himself upon his track. <laughs> and me. You must lock yourself up from him tonight. If he is violent, we shall take you away to your aunt's house at Harrow. Now we must make the best use of our time, so kindly take us at once to the rooms which we are to examine. The building was of gray lichen, right? Lichen? Lichen, yeah. right. lichen blotched lichen. stone with yeah. a high central portion of and two curving wings like the claws of a crab <laughs> thrown out on each side. In one of these wings, the windows were broken and blocked with wooden boards while the roof was partly caved in, a picture of ruin. The central portion was in little better repair, but the right-hand block was comparatively modern and the blinds in the windows with the blue smoke curling up from the chimneys showed that this was where the family resided. Time observant, too. <laughs> Some scaffolding had been erected against the end wall, and the stonework had been broken into, but there were no signs of any workmen at the moment of our visit. Holmes walked slowly up and down the ill-trimmed lawn and examined with deep attention the outsides of the windows. This, I take it, belongs to the room in which you used to sleep. The center one is your sister's. <laughs> Scroll. And then one next to the main building to Dr. Roylott's chamber. Exactly so, but I am now sleeping in the middle one. Pending the alterations, as I understand. <laughs> By the way, does there not seem to be any very pressing need for the repairs at that end wall? There were none. I believe that it was an excuse to move me from my room. Ah, that is suggestive. Now on the other side of this narrow wing runs the corridor from which these three rooms open. There are windows in it, of course. Yes, but very small ones, too narrow for anyone to pass through. As you both locked your doors at night, your rooms were unapproachable from that side. Now, would you have the kindness to go into your room and bar your shutters? Miss Stoner did so, and Holmes, after a careful examination through the open window, endeavored uh, uh, in every way to force the shutter open, but without success. There was no slit through which a knife could be passed or raise the bar. Then with his lens, he tested the hinges, but they were a solid iron, built firmly into the massive masonry. Can he just bend impressed. it? Can he just bend it like he bent them? <laughs> yeah, fucking iron. fancy boy. <laughs> oh, big and strong now, aren't we? Hum, said he, scratching his chin in some perplexity. My theory certainly presents some difficulties. No one could pass these shutters if they were bolted. Well, we shall see if the inside throws any light upon the matter. His theory was someone opened it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And he tested it. And he's like, oh, no. Nope. 
I have a theory, Watson. No. Nope. Incorrect. A small side door led into the whitewashed corridor from which the three bedrooms opened. Holmes refused to examine the third chamber, so we passed at once to the second, that in which Miss Stoner was now sleeping. I thought he meant she was doing it. Currently, I was like, you know that she's not sleeping. <laughs> he just told her to go. Go ahead. take a nap. <laughs> go bed, you bye. And in which her sister had met with her fate. It was a homely little room with a low ceiling and a gaping fireplace after the fashion of old country houses. A brown chest of drawers stood in one corner, a narrow white counterpaned bed in another, and a dressing table on the left-hand side of the window. These articles with two small wickerwork chairs made up all the furniture in the room save for a square of Wilton carpet in the center. <laughs> I know carpets. <laughs> the quartz rounds and the paneling of the walls were brown, worm-eaten oak, so old and discolored that it may have dated from the original building of the house. Holmes drew one of the chairs into a corner and sat silent while his eyes traveled round and round and up and down, taking in every detail of the apartment. <laughs> na, na. Where does that last bell communicate with, he asked, at last pointing to a thick bell rope which hung down beside the bed, the tassel actually lying upon the pillow. It goes to the housekeeper's room. It, uh, let me see. Oh, I gotta remember my Sherlock voice. I, I think I was doing a combo of Kelly's mine and yours. <laughs> it looks newer than the other things. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yes, it was only put there a couple years ago. Your sister asked for it, I suppose. No, I never heard of her using it. We used we always we used always to get what we wanted for ourselves. Indeed, it seems unnecessary to put so nice a bell pull there. You'll excuse me for a few minutes while I satisfy myself as to the floor. <laughs> He threw himself down upon his face and his lens in his hand and crawled swiftly backward and forward, examining minutely. What the fuck is he doing? <laughs> it's like, look at me. I'm a little crab. <laughs> and what's like, uh, yes, just like you the are a little outside. crab. Yeah. That looks like a crab, too. Remember? I know what crabs look like. Crabs are creatures that we eat sometimes. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> what a good boy. Here's a treat for the good boy. Yummy. <laughs> Examining minutely the cracks between the boards, then he did the same with the woodwork which had, uh, with which the chamber was paneled. Finally, he walked over to the bed and spent some time in staring at it and in running his eye up and down the wall. Finally, he took the bell rope in his hand and gave it a brisk tug. <laughs> Why, it's a dummy, said he. <gasps> what? Won't it ring? No, it's not even that's the wire. This is very interesting. You can see now that it is fastened to a hook just above where the little opening for the ventilator is. Oh, very absurd. I never noticed that before. Very strange, muttered Holmes, pulling at the rope. There are, there are one or two very singular points about this room. For example, what a fool of a builder must be to open a ventilator into another room when with the same trouble he might communicate with the outside air. That is also quite modern, said the lady. <laughs> Done about the same time as the bell rope, remarked Holmes. <laughs> yes, there were several little changes carried about at that time. They seem to have been a most interesting character, dummy bell ropes and ventilators, which do not <laughs> ventilate. With your permission, Miss Stone, we shall now carry our research into the inner apartment. 
I hope that the apartment can apartment, am I right? <laughs> Take that down. <laughs> That's one of my better ones. Write it down for yes, my stand-up. Very good, very good. You're my best friend. We're ever so close. Like sisters. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, that was insensitive. I don't know how to be. Is how close we are making you miss your sister? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Grimesby Roylott's chamber was larger than that of his stepdaughter, but was a plainly fur- but was plainly as plainly furnished, a camp bed, a small wooden shelf full of books, mostly of technical character, an armchair beside the bed, a plain wooden chair against the wall, a round table, and a large <laughs> iron safe were the principal things were the principal things that met the eye. I'm very good at listing. <laughs> <laughs> Holmes slowly walked around and examined each of them and all of them with the keenest interest. <laughs> What's in here? He asked, tapping the safe. <laughs> My stepfather's business papers. Oh, have you seen inside then? <laughs> <laughs> Only once, some years ago, I remember that it was full of papers. There isn't a cat in I it, said- for example. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. A cheetah cat, perhaps? <laughs> What a strange idea. Well, look at this. He took up a small saucer of milk, which stood at the top of it. (laughs) No, we don't keep a cat, but there is a cheetah and a baboon. As I said. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, well, a cheetah is just a big cat. And yet a saucer of milk does not go very far satisfying its wants, I dare say. So when you put it that way, I am still right. (laughs) There is one point which I should wish to determine. He squatted down in front of the wooden chair and examined the seat of it with the greatest attention. Thank you. That is quite settled, said he, rising and putting his lens in his pocket. Hello. (laughs) Here is something interesting. (laughs) The object which has caught his eye was a small dog lash hung on one corner of the bed. The lash, however, was curled upon itself and tied so as to make a loop of whipcord. What do you make of that, Watson? (laughs) It's a common enough lash, but I don't know why it should be tied. That is not quite so common, is it? Oh, me. It's a wicked world. The one a clever man thinks his brain to crime. It is the worst of all. I think that I've seen enough now, Miss Stoner. With your permission, we shall walk upon the lawn. (laughs) I had never seen my friend's face so grim or his brow so dark. I was into it. <laughs> My penis was hard, and it's never been that way before. <laughs> I couldn't decide. Were we sisters, lovers, friends, all of them? <laughs> or his brow so dark as when we turned from the scene of his investigation. We had walked several times up and down the lawn, neither Miss Stoner nor myself liking to break it upon his thoughts before he roused himself from his reverie. Reverie? Mm-hmm. Like, it is very essential, Miss Stoner, said he, that you should absolutely follow my advice in every respect. I shall most certainly do so. The matter is <laughs> uh, too serious okay. <laughs> for any hesitation. Your life may depend upon your compliance. I assure you that I am in your hands. In the first place, <laughs> both my friend and I must spend the night in your room. Uh... <laughs> I um, think that you're taking advantage of a woman who is being abused by her stepfather. 
she doesn't really know what's <laughs> real or what to trust. And also, I mean, where can I go? Because there is a cheetah and a baboon uh, running loose on the property. Now you've taken away my ability to lock myself in private. Like this, I said, the only thing that can stop them is a locked door. Uh, um, but sure. This feels like over the garden wall where it's like that episode where it's like, and don't forget that gorilla on the loose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know they like, mean like the cheetah. <laughs> Both Miss Stoner and I gazed at him in astonishment. Yes, yeah, so let me explain. I believe that the village in, oh, that, that is the village in over there? Yes, that's the crown. Very good. Your windows would be visible from there? I could tell by the sign outside of it. <laughs> okay, so village, what? Oh, deduced. <laughs> it certainly. You must confine yourself to your room on pretense of a headache. When your stepfather comes back, then when you hear him retire for the night, you must open the shutters of your window, undo the hasp, put your lamp there as a signal to us, and then withdraw quietly with everything with which you are likely to want the room which you used to occupy. I have no doubt that in spite of the repairs, you could manage there for one night. Yes, easily. Except for the cheetah. But okay. <laughs> the rest you will leave in our hands. I feel like it's weird that I have to keep bringing up the cheetah. <laughs> it's a very specific thing. Like, I don't know why you keep forgetting about the cheetah. <laughs> because it's kind of a big deal. Okay. Uh, but what will you do? We shall spend the night in your room and we shall investigate the cause of this noise which has disturbed you. I believe, Mr. Holmes, that you have already made up your mind, said Miss Stoner, laying so, her hand upon my companion's sleeve. Enough with the game. <laughs> Are we going to fuck in this room? <laughs> Are you guys I, feeling uh, what I'm feeling? <laughs> Perhaps I have. Then, for pity's sake, tell me what was the cause of my sister's death. I should prefer to have clear proofs before <laughs> I speak. What a little shit. What a little douchebag. You can at least tell me whether my own thought is correct and if she died from sudden fright. I love that this character is like, oh, okay, I, you couldn't just maybe tell, I feel like you know what's going on and maybe we could just, just talk about it out. now. Just yeah. like, just like, like, no, but seriously, just do it. No, but like, really? I gotta meet a word count. You can at least tell me whether my own thought is correct. And if she died from some sudden fright. No, I don't think so. I think that there was probably a more tangible cause. Now, Miss Stoner, you, you, we must leave you. For if the doctor were not returned and saw us on our journey, it would be in vain. Goodbye, be brave. <laughs> for if you will do what I have told you, you may rest assured that we will soon drive away the dangers that threaten you. And may flights of cheetahs sing to your sleep. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes and I had no difficulty in engaging a bedroom and s sitting room at the Crown Inn. They were We began braiding each other's hair <laughs> easily and without any <laughs> any hesitation. We were both so in sync about it. <laughs> you know when like things are just like are not weird? You know, like <laughs> They were on the upper floor, and from our window we could command a view of the avenue gate and of the inhabited wing of Stoke Moran Manor House. At dusk, we saw Dr. Grimesby Roylott drive past, his huge form looming up behind, beside the little figure of the lad who drove him. The boy had some slight difficulty in undoing the heavy iron gates. He was five, after all. <laughs> <laughs> 
And we heard the hoarse roar of the doctor's voice and saw the fury with which he shook his clenched fists at him. The trap drove on. Ooh, scroll, scroll, scroll. And a few minutes later, we saw a sudden light spring up amongst the trees as a lamp was lit in one of the sitting room in one of the sitting rooms. Do you know, Watson, said Holmes as we sat together in the gathering darkness. I really have some scruples as to taking you tonight. There is a distinct element of danger. Can I be of assistance? Your presence might be invaluable. <laughs> then I shall certainly come. <laughs> <laughs> it is very kind of you. You speak danger? You have evidently seen more in these rooms than was visible to me. <laughs> No, but I fancy that I might <laughs> no. have deduced a little more. Oh. All, right. All right. Come on. I can't believe you actually I can't believe you word. said the word deduced. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine that you saw all I did. I saw nothing remarkable save the bell rope and what purpose that could uh, could answer, I confess, is more than I can imagine. <laughs> and I only noticed it because you said it. <laughs> <laughs> you saw the ventilator too. Yes, but sure. I do not think that that it is such a very unusual thing to have a small opening between two rooms. It was so small that a rat could hardly pass through. I knew that. I knew that. Oh, which? Yes. I knew that we should find a ventilator before ever we came to Stoke Moran. My dear Holmes. Oh, yes, I did. You remember in her statement that she said her sister could smell Dr. Roylott's cigars? Now, of course, that suggested at once that there must be a communication between the two rooms. It could be a smaller one, or it would have been remarked upon the coroner's inquiry. I deduced a ventilator. But what harm could there be in that? Well, there is at least a curious coincidence of dates. A ventilator is made of quarters hung, and a lady who sleeps in the bed dies. Does not that strike you? I, I I can't as yet see any connection. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I just I, I see the presence of greatness. I'm sorry. I'm just not listening to anything <laughs> you're just saying. Like, your eyes are so blue. <laughs> Did you observe anything very peculiar about the bed? No. It was clamped to the floor. Do you ever see a bed fastened like that before? Oh no, but I I did notice that the carpet was Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Does that count for anything? <laughs> I cannot say that I have. The lady could not move her bed. It must always be in the same relative position to the ventilator and to the rubs. Or so we may call it, since it was clearly never meant for a bullpell. <laughs> Holmes, I cried. I, I, I seem to see dimly what you're hinting at. We are just in time to prevent some subtle and horrible crime. Subtle enough and horrible enough. <laughs> When a doctor does go wrong, he is the first of criminals. He has nerve and he has knowledge. Palmer and Pritchard were among the heads of their profession. The man strikes even deeper, but I think, Watson, that we shall be able to strike deeper still. But we shall have horrors enough before the night is over, for goodness sake. Let us have a quiet pipe and turn our minds for a few hours to something more cheerful. A few hours? <laughs> God. You're just going to let her sleep? <laughs> She's like, I'm pretty sure I know. I'm pretty sure you think that you know what's going on. Go to sleep. Okay, but like. Can you help? Okay, I, I'll just go to sleep. We're going to smoke. <laughs> We're going to smoke outside and wait and watch until your stepfather tries to kill you. <laughs>
About nine o'clock, the light among the trees was extinguished, and all was dark in the direction of the manor house. Two hours passed slowly away, and then suddenly, just at the stroke of eleven, a single bright light shone out right in front of us. That's a signal. One said by land, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> the British are coming. <laughs> said Holmes, springing to his feet. Yeah, it- no, we're British. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming. We're coming. <laughs> it comes from the middle window. As we passed as we passed out, he exchanged a few words with the landlord, explained that we were going on a late visit to an acquaintance, and that it was possible that we might spend the night there. A moment later, we were out on the dark road, a chill wind blowing in our faces, and one yellow light twinkling in front of us through the gloom to guide us to our somber errand. There was little difficulty in entering the grounds, for unrepaired breaches gaped in the old park wall. Making our way among the trees, we reached the lawn, crossed it, and were about to enter through the window when out from the cl- when out from a clump of laurel bushes there darted what seemed to be a hideous and distorted child who threw itself a- or no, no no the baboon <gasps> the baboon who threw itself upon the grass with writhing limbs and then ran swiftly across the lawn into darkness. My God, I whispered, did you see it? Holmes was for a moment as startled as I. His hand closed like a vice. Fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) It looked like a child. Upon my wrist in his agitation. Oh. Then he broke into a low laugh and put his lips to my ear. Oh, I thought he said they lips to my lips. (laughs) Did you? Lips to my lips. I've never been closer to him and it was intoxicating. And all it took was us. Just one cheetah. (laughs) And I, huh? (laughs) (laughs) with you baboon baboon just one cheetah (laughs) it is a nice household he murmured that is the baboon yeah you fucking idiot you fucking stupid idiot can you imagine (laughs) someone you stupid little idiots Whispering that into your ear. That is the baboon. That is the baboon. I had forgotten the strange pets. No, you stupid. Why? Why? How could you forget them? We the second you heard it. We thought of nothing but <laughs> this whole story. Like, we're British people in their homes reading this going, I did too. <gasps> the baboon? The baboon. Oh, oh my gosh. I had forgotten Doyle the strange pets. Doyle is a genius. <laughs> I've forgotten the strange pets which the doctor affected there were a cheetah too perhaps we might find it upon our shoulders at any moment I confess that's not how you get snuck up on my cheetah oh Oh, hello it's perched like a bird is it on me it's like 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 an empire it's on my back (laughs) it's trying to teach me things I'm resistant (laughs) I confess that I felt easier in my mind when, after following Holmes's example and slipping off my shoes, I found myself. <laughs> That'll <in> do it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that cheetahs can hear the quietest shoe sound from a mile away. But if your foot is bare, that is how man was in the wild, and that's how we originally conquered cheetahs. By the way, if, if you didn't remember, I am also a doctor. <laughs> 
For three payments of $19.99, you can get the entire book series on how to survive in the English wild. Um. I felt easier. I felt easier in my mind after following Holmes's example and slipping off my shoes. I found myself inside the bedroom. My companion noiselessly closed the shutters, moved the lamp onto the table, and cast his eyes around the room. All was as we had seen it in the daytime. Then, creeping up to me and making a trumpet of his hand, he <clears throat> whispered into my ear again, so gently. <laughs> <laughs> That it was all that I could do to distinguish the words. The least sound would be fatal. And why are you making this? Why are you making sounds? Uh, hey, it's gonna be fatal. Just it, the Omar, least. Don't do it. Just hey, the, just just okay. What's it? I'm sorry. John. The least <laughs> sound. John. <laughs> the least sound would be fatal to our plans. <laughs> I nodded to show that I had heard. <laughs> we were so in sync. I totally knew not to talk after he said that. <laughs> so I used what is called a nod. <laughs> and he understood. He got it. We were so like, we could like speak with just a look. <laughs> we must sit without light. No, wait, I went into a different thing there. Oh, it's our old pal, Eddie Hyde. <laughs> Eddie Hyde. Eddie <laughs> he would see it through the ventilator. I nodded again. Because I, unlike him, remembered the thing about not sleeping. <laughs> Do not go asleep. Your very life may depend upon it. Have your pistol ready in case we should need it. I will sit on the side of the bed and you in that chair. Quick, there's gas. Shoot the gas. <laughs> I took out my revolver and laid it on the corner of the table. Holmes had brought up a long, thin cane, and this he placed upon the bed beside him. By it, he laid the box of matches and the stump of a candle. Then he turned down the lamp, and we were left in darkness. How shall I ever forget that dreadful vigil? I could not hear it. dreadful, I mean... Decadent. Decadent. <laughs> Delicious. Vigil. <laughs> vigil. Next to my best friend. <laughs> Syrupy vigil. Syrupy. Velvety vigil. <laughs> Sensual. I could not hear a sound, nor even the drawing of a breath, and yet I knew that my companion sat open-eyed within a few feet of me. Open-eyed and open-legged. <laughs> and open for anything. <laughs> In the same state of nervous tension in which I was myself, the shutters cut off the least ray of light, and we waited in absolute darkness. From outside came the occasional cry of a nightbird, and once at our very window a long-drawn cat-like whine, which told us the cheetah was indeed at liberty. <laughs> at liberty! <laughs> the cat-like whine. <laughs> Far away, we could hear the deep tones of the parish clock, which boomed out every quarter of an hour. Luckily, we'd taken our shoes off, and so the <laughs> cheetah would never know we were there. We learned this from the TSA. <laughs> How long they seemed, those quarters. Twelve struck, and then one, and then two, and three. I can count. <laughs> but only up to three. After that, I was lost. <laughs> And then three and one, and then three and two. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And still we sat waiting silently for whatever might befall. Suddenly, there was the momentary gleam of a light up in the direction of the ventilator, which vanished immediately, but was succeeded by a strong smell of burning oil and heated metal. Someone in the next room had lit a dark lantern. I heard a gentle sound of movement, and then all was silent once more, though the smell grew stronger. For half an hour, I sat with straining ears. Then suddenly, another sound came, became audible, a very gentle, soothing sound, like that of a small jet of steam escaping continually from a kettle. The instant that we heard it, Holmes sprang from the bed and struck a match and lashed furiously with his cane at the bell pull. You see, Watson? (laughs) (laughs) It was the bell pull. (laughs) (laughs) The whole time? You see it? (laughs) But I saw nothing. At that moment, when Holmes struck the light, I heard a low, clear whistle. But the sudden glare flashing into my weary eyes made it impossible for me to tell what it was at which my friend was lashed at so savagely. I could, however, see his face was deadly pale and filled with horror and loathing. He had ceased to strike and was gazing upon the ventilator when suddenly there broke from the silence of the night the most horrible cry which I have ever listened. It swelled up louder and louder, a hoarse yell of pain and fear and anger all mingled in the one dreadful shriek. They say that away down in the village and even in the distant parsonage, That cry raised the sleepers from their beds. It struck cold to our hearts, and I stood gazing at Holmes, and he at me until the last echoes of it had died away into the silence from which it rose. What can it mean? I gasped. (laughs) It means that it's all over. (laughs) Holmes answered, and perhaps after all, it was for the best. Take a pistol. We will enter Dr. Roylott's room. Hmm? With a grave face, he lit the lamp and led the way down the corridor. Twice he struck the chamber door without any reply from him. Then he turned the handle and entered, I at his heels, with the (laughs) cocked pistol in my hand. It was a singular sight which met our eyes. On the table stood a dark lantern with the shutter half open, throwing a brilliant beam of light upon the iron safe and the door of which was ajar. Beside this table on the wooden chair sat Dr. Grimsby Roylott clad in a long gray dressing gown, his bare ankles protruding beneath and his feet thrust into the red heelless Turkish slippers. Across his lap lay the short stock with which the long lash which he had noticed the, during the day. Across his lap lay the short stock with the long lash, which we had noticed during mm. the day. His chin was cocked upward, and his eyes were fixed in a dreadful, rigid stare at the corner of the ceiling. Round his brow, he had a peculiar yellow band with brownish speckles, which seemed to be bound tightly around his head. As we entered, he made neither sound nor motion. The band! The speckled band! whispered Holmes. I took a step forward. In an instant, his strange headgear began to move. And there... It's the fucking (laughs) cheetah. It's the cheetah. It's the fucking cheetah. It's the cheetah's tail. It's the cheetah's tail. In an instant, his strange headgear began to move. And there reared itself from among his hair the squat diamond-shaped head and puffed neck of a loathsome serpent. What? Serpent? It's a swamp adder. Cried Holmes. 
The deadliest snake in India. He has died within 10 seconds of being bitten. Violence does, in truth, recoil upon the violent, and the schema falls into the pit which he digs for another. Let us thrust this creature back into its den, and we can then remove Miss Stone into some place to shelter and let the country police know what happened. As he spoke, he drew the long dog whip swiftly from the dead man's lap. Throwing the noose around the reptile's neck, he drew it from its horrid perch and, carrying it at arm's length, threw it in the iron safe which he closed upon it. Such are the true facts of the death of Dr. Grimsby Roylott of Stoke Moran. It is not necessary that I should prolong a narrative, which has already run too great a length by telling how we broke the sad news to the terrified girl, how we conveyed her by the morning train to the care of her good aunt at Harrow, and how the slow process of official inquiry came to the conclusion that the doctor had met his fate while indiscreetly playing with a dangerous pet. The little which I had yet to learn of the case was told to me by Sherlock Holmes as we traveled back the next day. I had... Said he. <laughs> One second, sorry. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. I had, said he, come to an entirely erroneous conclusion which shows, my dear Watson, how dangerous it is always to reason from insufficient data. The presence of these gypsies and the use of the word band, which was a which was used by the poor girl, no doubt, to explain the appearance with which she had caught the curry glimpse of the light of her match, was sufficient to put me upon an entirely wrong scent. I can only claim the merit that I instantly reconsidered my position when, however, it became clear to me that whatever danger threatened an occupant in the room could not come either from the window or the door. My attention was speedily drawn, and I have already remarked to you, Devin, Ventilator to the bell rope which hung down from the bed. The discovery that this was a dummy and that the bed was clamped to the floor instantly gave rise to the suspicion that the rope there was as a bridge for something passing through the hole and coming to the bed. Oh. The idea of a snake instantly occurred to me when I coupled instantly. <laughs> when I coupled the, the little milk. Yeah. Uh, like the second I saw that rope, I was like, snake, know, snake, snake milk. <laughs> oh, snake. When I coupled it with my knowledge that the doctor was furnished with supply of creatures from India, I felt that I was probably on the right track. <laughs> the idea of using a form of poison which could not easily be discovered by any chemical test was just such one. Uh, was okay, just... but like no one noticed a snake bite? <laughs> yeah. Which a one would occur to a clever, ruthless man who had an Eastern training. The rapidity with which such a poison would take effect also, from his point of view, would be an advantage. I would be a shop by coroner, indeed, <laughs> who would distinguish two okay. little dark punctures which would show that there were poison fangs. I don't know. Why, did, like why didn't you tell us about I the punctures? Like should have done that. Then I thought of the whistle. Of course, you must recall the snake before the morning light revealed it to the victim. He had trained it, probably, by use of milk, which he sought to return him to when she summoned. I'm sorry, he trained the milk using (laughs) trained the snake using milk? I just love Sherlock Holmes. He's he's in the area with the desk and he sees the milk and he's like, That's what he's been using to train the snake. Oh, training milk. (laughs) Do you guys have a do you have a cat here? Is that what that milk's for? You have a cat? It's a snake. It's, it's a a classic, uh, classic snake okay. training milk. Snake training milk. Milk, 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 milk. You guys are Yum, 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 yum. My favorite. I'm a snake. Me, the snake. I love milk. 
<laughs> Reminds me of mom. <laughs> he would put it through his ventilator at the end where he thought best, and with the certainty that it would crawl down the rope and land on the bed. It might or might not bite the occupant, perhaps he might Acapo. escape from a night. <laughs> For a week, but sooner or later, she shall fall victim. I had come to these conclusions before ever I had entered this room. An inspection of his chair showed me that he had been in the habit of standing on it, which of course would be necessary in order that he should reach the ventilator, the side of the safe, the saucer, the milk, and the loop of the whipcord were enough to finally dispel any doubts with which it remained. The metallic clang heard by Miss Stone was obviously caused by her stepfather hastily closing the door mm-hmm. upon his safe. Mm-hmm. About his mm-hmm. terrible mm-hmm. occupant. Mm-hmm. Having once made up my mind, you know that the steps with which I my took mind. it on <laughs> the matter to proof. I heard the creature hiss, as I had no doubt that you did, and I instantly lit the light and attacked it. With the result of driving it through the ventilator, and also with the result of causing it to turn upon its master uh, on the other side. You forgot the second awesome thing about it, when which was that I killed the other. I uh, murdered a man <laughs> with a snake, <laughs> just as he was attempting to murder, and therefore I am no better. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the blows of my cane came home and roused its snake temper, so it flew upon the first person it saw. In this way, I'm no doubt indirectly responsible for Dr. Grimsby Rollard's death, and I cannot say this is likely to weigh very heavily upon my conscience. Nice. And that's the end. <laughs> really? Yep. Oh my god. So, Conan Doyle, you arrogant little shit. <laughs> Why did he. How is this a twist? This is not a twist because it's, there's no. There's no piece where it's like, oh, I should have seen that. Yeah. Well, there was Instead, milk. It's just like, and there's a dummy rope, <laughs> and there's, there's a clang. Oh, I see. There's a rope. Rope doesn't do anything. Snakes love drinking milk and traveling by rope. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else happens with snakes? They go right in a room. They look for their victim. They get right the fuck out. Yeah, they leave. They come they're, back. They know. They're a dedicated people. <laughs> They know sweet, sweet milk yeah. is waiting for them back there. They're like, oh, shit. Like, that was pretty cool. That was tasty. I love just biting a human for no reason <laughs> yeah. and then leaving. Not, I, I don't eat I them. No, I just bite for them. them. Yeah, I, I get nothing out of it. I'm not defending myself. I'm just sneaking in a room, <laughs> down a rope, biting a lady, sneaking my little snake butt right back up that rope <laughs> through my milk. <laughs> I do it for the milk. I do it for the milk. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for reading this story with us. Yeah. Oh, wow, it oh. all came together at the end. Yeah, there. wow. Oh, so I'm perfectly. so satisfied. I definitely understood all of it. All like that the the past of her family where it's like all the men are angry. Like the all oh, yeah. that all came together really at oh, the end. Yeah. There. Yeah. Oh, it really came together um how that cheetah was <laughs> there. There. And, and prowled it by at existing. one point. The baboon looked like a child. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that furry child? <laughs> oh, I want to hold my well, wrist. Hold my wrist. <laughs> in my ear. Uh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on and doing thank this show. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. Um, do you have anything that you would like to plug? Sure. If you like other podcasts, you can check out Sunnydale Study Group. It's a Buffy podcast. We are not going episode by episode. Co-host Chris Bramante and I are just talking about Buffy. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> just random things about oh, it, like our fa- favorite demons. And then uh-huh. some, we did Pokemon Go one time in Sunnydale, and Chris does not know Pokemon, uh-huh. and that was a fun thing to learn. And then also, I'm on a podcast called Thank You for Questing with Kelly. Yay! Yay! 
Yay, where we improvise. 5, podcasts. So many, so <laughs> many 5,000 podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you guys should definitely check out both of those podcasts. Yeah. They're both really good. They're very fun. And if yeah. you want to interact with me, I'm Omar Najam on Twitter as well as Omar Najam Film on Instagram. And that's where I hang out. Yay. <laughs> I hang out. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, if you would like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this any is your other first time bits of news? listening to the show. You can subscribe to us because we want you to. Yeah. Oh, and find us on social media. Yeah. At Public Domain Pod. Mm-hmm. And we're just, we on IndieWire, uh, our episode with Mary Holland on uh, Bram Stoker's The Duelitists uh, just got named as one of 50 uh, best podcast episodes of 2018 That's so amazing. far. Yay. Yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah. Check that out. Yeah, Check so out our whole back catalog. It, go listen to it. Um, and uh, keep being yourself. <laughs> and stay in school. Uh-huh. Don't do drugs. Yeah. And keep it lit. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.